tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Sean Don Khan, Amelia Earhart Part 2, Folsom Escape, Lost Sailor, and The Past Phone Calls. Crystal. I'm your other co-host Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. We have uh, a presence on Twitter. You can find us at <laughs> Reenacted Pod. Okay. Are we doing that at the top of the show now? Oh no, no, I just thought that'd be amusing to, <laughs> to surprise you with. Like what? Wait, well, I, I was surprised. <laughs> okay, excellent. How, how how are you, Crystal? Yes, I'm. I'm good. You know, it's fall. Mm-hmm. This episode's going to uh, drop right before Thanksgiving, I think. Okay. And I wanted to give everyone an autumnal food tip. Okay. If you guys really, you know, I know these pumpkin spice lattes and whatever, all the rage. They are. Here's, yeah. According to my social media, at least. Yeah. Here's here's my hot tip. You want to save some money, but still get that, you know, seasonal feeling. Um. Pumpkin pie spice. You probably have it because that one time you made a pie last mm. year or whatever. Probably have it in your cupboard. Go ahead and put some of that in your, sprinkle it in your coffee grounds before you make your coffee. Boom. Pumpkin spice coffee. And you just saved yourself like four or five dollars. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. So that's my hot tip. Hey, Robbie, though, uh, Alyssa <laughs> packages, you want to open some? <clears throat> yes. Something? Um, this is a mo- monumentous occasion. We've received our first actual fan mail. I am shaking with anticipation as to what could possibly be in those packages. Yes. Uh, super and and, and oh, who sent them? Super fan Alyssa. Okay, uh, where, what's her return address? I'm kidding. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I wouldn't even have been able to get uh give you that off of these even if mm. i we'd been so inclined because they she bought stuff through amazon and had it shipped oh. uh though actually it was pretty amusing because originally because uh, her plan was to have it shipped to my mailing address but mm-hmm. for some reason it arrived at her place so mm-hmm. she we had a bit of delay in uh getting these out to us but they have arrived and i was surprised because there was two uh, we have a box and one of those envelopes with the bubble wrap uh, fitted inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find it amusing. She actually addressed them to Robbie OG Rumper. Mm. So you're uh, the original original gangster Rumper. Yes, and some and for some reason my my post office uh, let that slide. So I, I'm I'm glad about that. Well, they know who the OG Rumper is. Respect. Yes. I I, <laughs> I guess it's plausible someone at the post office could be listening to the show. Yeah. Um, and so, yes. Uh, uh, the, the envelope kind of, it feels like a book. Uh-huh. And uh, the box kind of... Uh, it, Due to its shape and uh-huh. weight, 
I mean, it's plausible it could be a book, but it feels like it's really something else. And there's like two distinct sounds. Like there's a heavy and then there's a smaller sound, but that could just mm -hmm. be like the receipt or, or mm -hmm. something. So I'm going to go ahead and open these up. Mm -hmm. Alyssa made an allusion to these uh, that like it was inspired by what we talked about on the previous mm. on our our rewards episode mm -hmm. what did we talk about uh, y2k yeah that's y2k yeah so my i'm a bit i'm a bit perplexed now because there's two my my suspicion of the book uh -huh. was that it was going to be uh because one of the one of the things that got mentioned in that episode was the um someone was pitching some y2k preparedness book and that robert stack hosted special and mm -hmm. so I, <laughs> my instinct was maybe she went on eBay and mm -hmm. or, or Amazon rather and and found found a copy to send us. Well, so, you should open it. Yes, yes. Enough, <laughs> enough with this prologue. I am, I am opening this up with this very sharp knife. Uh, I kind of cut through the receipt. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a bunch of receipt papers, and it's a book. And okay, this is not related to Y two K. Oh, but it, rather, I th I think uh, when she said she was inspired, it was because of what we um we alluded to what the topic of the next rewards episode was going to be, which was uh, uh, your your mysterious creatures, uh, your your cryptids, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. This is called Monsters Among Us, an exploration wow. of otherworldly Bigfoots, Wolfmen, portals, phantoms, and odd phenomenon by oh, hell yeah. Linda S. Godfrey, author of Real Wolfmen and American Monsters. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the back. Do you want me... Should I read the back or... Uh, I... I you could. Um, I want to know what's in the other package, but maybe you could take a picture of the things that Alyssa sent you, and we can throw them up on our social media. Okay, uh, that, so, that's 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 what also I so for. I can see them. <laughs> I cannot. I am not in the same room as you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. Well, thanks, Alyssa. That's rad. That's yeah. awesome, and and good move in sending the book to Robbie too, because I'm an illiterate bitch and I would probably never read it. But Robbie definitely will read it, right? Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, as soon as my life gets sorted out. Yeah, um, well, he's the, he's the reader in this relationship, for sure. You know, he's always sending me books that I will read <laughs> eventually. That's okay. I, uh, I I'm just I I'm just pleased with the knowledge of mentally picturing them going into your color coded uh, bookcase. Mm, yes, that's where they reside. Excellent. Although Fukuyama. Yes, yes. Uh, Robbie, what's in the other package? All right. Opening this up. I'm going to be a little careful cutting through the tape here. Because mm, I don't yes. want to like... Could be fragile. Could be scratchable. Yeah, I don't, yeah, don't want to just jam this really sharp knife. Yeah. All right. Are you getting all those sounds of me opening yeah. this? Yeah. Okay. That, it's that's like a, one of those YouTube ASMR unboxing 
uh, eating too much food videos. Yeah, That's you know, the thing, right? <laughs> you know, I pretty much there's pretty much an ASMR for everything. Yeah, there is. And, and they all have at least half a million views, which is leading me to believe that maybe we should expand um, our our content yeah. to include ASMR stuff. Um, do you, I mean, who, which one of us has the ASMR voice? I think probably you. I, me? okay. That's, I, I think your, your voice is probably more soothing than mine. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine there's actually quite a few people who might agree with that. Yeah. We, Paul Giamatti sounded <laughs> I am not ordering more low. Um, uh, okay. What okay. you got? Oh, okay. Uh, I guess well, each package that came a little note, uh, a gift for you. I wanted to give you something to show my appreciation for your amazing Y2K episode. Oh. To show how excited I am for your cryptid episode. Oh, much, get that going then. <laughs> much love always, Alyssa. Oh, oh much love. Okay. And okay. Then she, she put her last name in parentheses, so I, I don't know if that means she doesn't want that read out loud. Well, if anybody's on the Facebook group, they know what her name is. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. So, okay, we got now a box within mm -hmm. this box. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, box within a box. What if it's like a just endless boxes? Oh, yeah. That's the real mystery, isn't it? It is. Uh... I'm really enjoying all these box sounds <laughs> good i'm glad they're getting caught on uh, yeah okay it looks like we got a mug oh and it's you know in the inset cardboard uh frame so i'm pulling that out now uh-huh and it is oh it's a uh it is a mug themed to the mothman Oh, like the like the movie or like the actual Mothman? I'm assuming to the actual Mothman, but what we have here is a huh. sort of, um, you know how they sometimes do like cutesy depictions of Cthulhu? This yeah. Is, this is kind of an adorable little Mothman. Um, wow. Yeah. I it, feel really bad that we did not talk about the Mothman whatsoever on the Cryptids episode. <laughs> Well, it just wasn't in the Time Life Mysterious Creatures book. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we could we could do a sequel. We to, should. We should. I I mean, there's certainly enough out there, especially with this book. By the way, on the book, one of the things listed on the back is uh, the Lost Lizard People of Los Angeles. Is that something you're aware of? I have. I think once when I fell down like a Wikipedia K hole, I read about that. Um, but you know what? I think I think local legends and mysteries is a fabulous topic for another mini-sode. And so maybe we can do a little little research, a little reading up on the Mothman, because I think this is not uh, a very subtle hint as to what the <laughs> listeners would like to hear. Um, so yeah, I think I think that might be great. Mothman's in New Jersey, I think. Um, Lost Lizard People in Los Angeles. I think I think those are really cool, fun things we should talk about in one of our Patreon episodes. Go, go, go all the way from coast to coast, huh? Yeah, that rules. Yeah. Alyssa, that's, you're amazing. Thank you. I mean, thank you for your support, but also you're awesome and just being out there and being a super fan and definitely feeling the love, for sure. And if, and if you would amazing. like to send us stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and and subscribe to our Patreon. 
yeah. and get shout outs like this, yeah. uh, p- please do. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a nice mug. I mean, and it says moth, it says Mothman believes in you and you have a depiction of the, <laughs> of the moth, uh, of this, cute. of this adorable Mothman, uh, I guess flying in the sky. There's a, a field mm-hmm. of stars and a moon, but the, the color is in, is uh, inverse. So it's not mm-hmm. like a black background with white stars and a white moon, but a white background right. with black uh, stuff. So um, uh, this begs the question, uh-huh. who gets what in this stuff? Um, well, she sent it to you. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's yours. <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to say, I definitely like this mug might become my standard go-to uh, for what I drink out of while recording. In fact, I'm just gonna yeah. open up this this uh, cooler, this thing I'm drinking out of right now, and just pour uh-huh. the contents into the mug. Probably not the Wonderful. best. Not probably not the best thing. They usually say to wash those first, yeah. right? But they usually want to rinse that out. But but I I I I've drank so much stuff. So I well, I, I I got. I mean, this this it's just just it's just a little packing debris. Yeah. Just a little mouse uh, poop. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, Robbie, do you want to talk uh, about an episode of Unsolved Mysteries? Mothman. Yeah, you know, there's some like specks floating in the water, and I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was like in the mug beforehand, or if that's really just because what I was drinking out of beforehand, I've I've probably been using over the last four or five days before putting it in the sink. Um. Yeah. So. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's our first unsolved mystery. Uh, our first unsolved mystery is a unfortunately involves a murder of a young woman named tracy kirkpatrick yep that's right um i think she was 17 or 18 yes yes um before we get into too far into this segment though i want to think i noticed about stack's narration uh for this episode which is episode uh number 17 of season three does he sound like he has he's a little stuffed up Something has a cold. 17-year-old Tracy Kirkpatrick was an honor student with a passion for poetry. In 1989, Tracy was stabbed to death in the clothing store where she worked. Oh, God. I did not detect that. Maybe uh, maybe that's how he always sounds, but he sounded like he had a little allergy cold issue. You know, I didn't hear that, but I. it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned the the mentioned this stuff because in the intro to this episode when they were talking about all the segments i don't know whether it's just because this episode was so jam-packed with segments or if this was maybe a situation where they they had to take a segment from another episode and insert it in here and then throughout because like there's a distinct point where you hear the audio um uh the the theme loop or change or something and huh. i was wondering whether like maybe because one of these segments got um brought over from another and they just <clears throat> they, they they just sort of dropped his uh voice in the the narration thing 
Mm-hmm. But uh, a, a slight, just little thing I noted. I didn't note it, note note any illness sounds from him. I guess I just I refuse to believe that Robert mm. Stack could succumb to any sort of cold. Well, he succumbed to something because he's dead now. But so we think. Uh... <laughs> Tracy Kirkpatrick. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a. Is this a wanted? What is this? What kind of segment is this? Or is this a? unexplained death you know i probably should have paid attention because this is a because it's a very strange format because it's not so much like we're looking for this guy or we're looking uh, we're trying to figure out what happened as in there's like there's a second component that comes in here that really is really just sort of odd yeah um, i i i had to watch this segment multiple times and i'm still not sure if i got everything that they were throwing down with it yeah oh it's an unexplained death well i don't understand that because they know how she died died yes the the uh yeah this takes us to to 1989 in frederick maryland Mm, that's right yes i thought it was in ohio i'm sorry everyone it is very prominently frederick oh wait wait in my notes that could just be where the guy was calling from that comes in later maybe it is in ohio i don't know it's probably in maryland everything happens in ohio though so yeah Uh, it's true it's the center of the universe um listen Uh, i i don't want to make fun of the bereaved here but uh diane kirkpatrick i think we have to talk about her hair Oh, I, 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 I did not really perceive, uh, notice that like you did. Please tell, please elaborate. Um, well, it is a, it's a pretty severe mullet cut. Okay. Um, it's really like, like a, like a crew cut on the mm. top. It's very moussed or gelled. Mm. And then there's like some wisps of a like mullet behind mm. um usually people describe a mullet as like a business in the front party in the back yeah um this reads more as party in the front business in the back yes yeah, so w- once again another unfortunate um hair hair choice are you uh, looking at it i'm 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 I'm, tr- I'm actually trying to scan scan through and find it right now um oh. well anyway moving on uh, so tracy kirkpatrick i guess a couple weeks before she died um broke up with her boyfriend and she was feeling like kind of alone lonely so she like i guess ran out to the living room at some point and read this really like morbid poem okay so tracy had two jobs in high school but we are only gonna we don't know what that second job is it's left a mystery the job that we do know about she works in a dress shop and some shopping center in in her town they really sold this in the reenactment like yeah the actress playing her like i i she was throwing herself into like making me believe that this is someone who's actually working in this shop yeah she was uh you know, suggesting some really hideous early 90s dresses. She was vacuuming. She was counting out the register. Well, anyway, a security patrol a couple hours after the shop closes, uh, comes in, finds the shop open, first of all. So there's no sign of, like, somebody, like, broken after hours. Mm-hmm. And she and he unfortunately finds um, Tracy's body in the, like, the uh, stock room area. Yes. Um, anyway, so meanwhile, her parents, realizing that she has not come home at the usual time, head on down, uh, they're very concerned, head on down to the dress shop. And then in the reenactment, the father's saying to the mother, oh, I'm sure it's fine. And 
and then it's really not fine at all. It's very devastating, in fact. Yeah. Um, so she's killed. Um, this is where I get really confused because uh-huh. some weeks later, some months later, uh, there's some kind of hotline, I guess you can call to confess murders, or at least there used to be. I don't... <laughs> that's, that's what I get. Ga- uh, that's, that's the best I could gather too. Uh, yeah. so this murder confession hotline receives a call. Um, that they recorded from some guy named Don. Don, very in, in a very flat tone of voice, confesses to having murdered Tracy. He doesn't use her name. He just said there was a girl in the dress shop and I stabbed her. Um, he says he's from Frederick, Maryland. He also mentions, like, you think, you, I, you think I'd be trying to get caught, but there's a lot of Dons in Frederick, Maryland. Like, <laughs> right. him and all the Dons know each other. Yeah, trying to set up another dawn or something. Uh, yeah, like his whole message is strange and see, like loaded with contradictions because he's like, uh, he's he also says something along the lines of, uh, "I'm not going to turn myself in because I've decided it's better to live as a free, you know, free person." And it's yeah. Like, well, then why are you calling this hotline, you dope? Yeah, and also I'm like really glad that he has made the decision that after taking the life of someone else, that it's really better that he remains free. I'm really glad that he's made that decision for all of us. Right. Um, <laughs> God. Fucking psychopath. Anyway. Uh, so the police hear this tape. They decide, you know, um, it's legit. It sounds, it's pretty creepy. I got to say just how like the intonation of this guy's voice is really flat. Oh, yeah, totally. It, it, de- seemingly devoid of, like, emotion or anything. Yeah. So they there's some appeal they put in a newspaper? Yes, like, they, they print they print out a letter addressed to the caller. Uh, oh, right, from the police. Yeah, to okay. be like, hey, um, tearing yourself in? I guess, they, uh, I guess they figure anyone who would, like, call about themselves to a hotline where you're turning yeah. in yourself would, would possibly be persuadable? I guess so. I can see that working. The next thing that happens is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> On every yeah, level. Yeah, it's this really, the story really takes a turn. Um, so, meanwhile, a guy named Sean, with an S calls this lady psychic in Massachusetts mm-hmm. and set, and is very concerned with finding the killer of Tracy. So he starts sending the psychic, uh, Martha Woodworth, starts sending her um, newspaper clippings having to do with the murder to see if she can pick up on, like, who did it. Yeah. And so finally, this woman very wisely gets in touch with the police and the police say, "Hey, you know, if uh, we play this tape for you, do you think you do you think you talk to this guy Sean enough that you recognize his voice?" And she goes, "Yeah, I've, brought, I've spent enough time on the phone with him." So they play the recording of the guy who's confessing to her. She says, "Yeah, that's the same guy." Okay. Mm-hmm. So it kind of seems like we've nailed down uh, what's going on here. There's something with a radio DJ now. Yeah, there's a, there's a third step, and this is where I started to to lose track myself. Um, but in, in it, they uh, they have the local disc jockey play the. I, I think it's the. 
the tape of when he initial of when Don, aka Sean, initially called in to confess. And I guess the right. idea like does anyone recognize this this voice or whatever? And they got several people called in, and I guess from there they were able to identify uh, a particular individual. But I guess they searched his place and didn't find any evidence. Yeah, the police jumped right on. I don't really know what they mean. They didn't find anything. Like, did he have an alibi? I don't understand. Yeah, I'm kind of confused as well. I, I don't know if they, like, they just came to the conclusion that, like, I mean, is it pl- plausible this is this could have been someone who was just, like, seeking attention? I think so. It could have been. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. I mean, it's, it's possible anyone could have read about Tracy being murdered in the paper. Yeah. But I, I don't. I don't know that, and I don't know that even in the confession tape, which we hear most of in this segment, that the killer is giving away any details that wouldn't have already been in a news in a common newspaper article about it. Right, right. I mean, you can you can make the stuff he says is like I'd go in there and chat with her when she would be getting ready to close up the store, and we got in an argument. And uh, it's yeah, there's there's it didn't yeah. seem like there's any like solid concrete like info about anything. And that's pretty that's pretty much where the segment ends. They read that poem one more time. And I guess Tracy's parents had the entire poem, like all of it inscribed on Tracy's headstone, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of impressive to me because I'm pretty sure those like the engravers charged by the letter. So, you know. <laughs> wow, yeah, that would be expensive. Uh, how much? Oh, how much is it per letter? Like, I oh, I don't know. I mean, it's got to vary between headstone engravers, and you have to adjust for inflation. And you know, this was nineteen eighty nine, and I I want to be cremated. Yeah, me yeah. too. Oh, cool. Do you have? A... I don't. I just like don't want to like use arable land for my <laughs> rotting corpse. Like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Like, can you imagine if every single person who ever died had been buried in a plot um, the way that we think about cemeteries? Like, we'd have no land left. Huh. Is that... I guess... You know, someone at MIT needs to sit down and do the calculations on people and mm-hmm. plot usage and figure out, like, you know, figure all this stuff out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and not all land is suitable for burying bodies. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I want to be cremated. I Like, what I would like is for, uh, for just to harvest all the usable parts. You know okay. what I'm saying? Just burn the rest. All right. Wow. That's fine. Maybe, like, launch my ashes, like, out of a cannon, though. I, I can arrange for that. I, I know. <laughs> well, here's well, Robbie. Do you know what my actual like last will and testament is? Wait, I might as well record it because here we are. okay. <laughs> I might as well say it. All right. Um, please don't. If I have read you a poem, which would be weird, but if I have done that at any point in my life, please do not put that on a headstone or memorial for me. As <laughs> a waste of your money. Um, Noted. Yeah. Okay. So. So harvest all the parts. Cremate whatever the, the empty husk that's left. Of my dumb body <laughs> mm-hmm. and cremate it. But here's the th- here's what I would really like. I would like at my memorial for um, 
there's a Frank Sinatra song called My Way. It's very cheesy, but it has this very like big like crescendo in it. So if it could be arranged to shoot my ashes out of the cannon at the same time that that song kind of climaxes. Is that specific enough? Yeah, that, that, I think that's I think that's very helpful and and very insightful too. How long have you been contemplating uh, that as an? Option? Oh, I I think about my uh, my uh, own death all the time. <laughs> Not ending my life, but just like oh yeah yeah being, yeah, yeah no. being dead is it's, listen. It's going to be great. <laughs> I, I know. I'm looking forward to it. It's like I, no one, ex- to, to, to my, no one to, expects anything of you. You're dead. You yeah. don't do anything. Oh my god. That's it. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was not awesome for Tracy, though. I don't want you guys to think No, 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 no. no. We're, we're not trying, we're not trying to her. make light. Yeah, she she obviously uh, uh, wanted to continue to write poetry and stuff. And unfortunately, yeah, yeah. some of them asked why she... And I hope they... I hope this case is open and unsolved, you guys. So come on, gumshoes. Go solve it. Go solve it. Uh, Ravi. Yes. We should probably... Talk about Our talk about uh, Amelia Earhart. Why not? Okay, we got an update. Kind of. I'm assuming it didn't actually ever lead to anything, since we haven't heard anything about uh, any more about this in the decade since this update aired. But but basically, some guys, a guy named Rick Gillespie. Yeah. Went to the island of Nicomororo. Nicomororo. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, which I guess when Earhart initially disappeared, the mm-hmm. military had done a flyover, but he, he set about searching and they what found a piece of aluminum, right? Um, yeah, I believe. Well, I mean, hold on a second. Before we even get to that, we get a whole replay of the highlights of the last Amelia Earhart segment that we covered. Yes. Where they're talking about there's a woman who thinks she was saw Amelia Earhart be captured by the Japanese during whenever on the island of Saipan and was executed. Mm-hmm. So we get a whole recap of this completely unrelated theory. Completely unrelated. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess, yeah, it doesn't really connect in with the, that particular island. No, it is just an excuse to rehash this footage. I mean, they probably paid a lot of money to film it, to be sure, so why not use it again? So yeah. anyway, unrelated, uh, this man goes to Nakamororo Island. Mm-hmm. We're not making fun of it. It's just really difficult to say. You guys can look it up. Um, so it's about 400 miles south uh, east of Howland Island, which is where Amelia Earhart and uh, Fred Noonan were supposed to have refueled or stopped. But that's mm-hmm. where, right about where they got lost. Um, Nikumororo. It's... <laughs> it's really hard to say. It's, I'm sorry. It is. Everyone. I'm not going to laugh at you because I struggled through it. I sound like I'm stuttering. Nikumororo. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Close enough. Anyway, 
Yeah, so uh, please continue. I just want, I wanted just to cover that they were just really trotting their old footage back out. Yeah, they they uh, they definitely ate up some time in this uh, episode. Uh, yeah. What else is there to say? They he, Yeah, he finds a piece of metal that clearly fell off a plane. And, and it fell off a, a Lockheed plane, which would have been manufactured around the same time as Amelia Earhart's plane. And that's it. It's not like he has a serial number on the metal to tie it to Amelia Earhart's plane or even the exact model. He just knows it was manufactured by Lockheed. It could be someone else's totally unrelated plane. Yeah. How does also... Yeah, he also really like asserts that there was supposed to be no, no humans ever on this island. So how did this piece of debris show? I'm like, how, dude, what, what are you doing? You don't know that. You don't know that fishermen are, aren't just camping overnight. You don't know what people are doing. Like, come on. Wouldn't it be wild if he had found the the wreckage of the Sarah Joe? Or, or the, some of the survivors from the Sarah Joe uh, back yeah. in... yeah. <laughs> Robbie, I screwed up. I didn't ask anybody about that when I was in Hawaii. I'm so sorry. It's you a... specifically asked me to follow up on it. I didn't... I didn't... I didn't this run was into any sailors. chance to solve I'm it. I'm sorry! Crystal. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't run into, like, any seafaring people when I was there. So... Fair... Okay, fair enough. I guess... I'm sorry. Yeah. I should have followed up on the Sarah Joe. It's fine. Eh, um, it isn't. <laughs> I failed miserably. Uh, yeah, so they find a piece of metal yeah. um, that could have belonged to anything. I also want to introduce the theory or actual fact that <laughs> this area was probably heavily trafficked by Lockheed airplanes of that same time period during World War II. It's part of Pacific Theater. Mm-hmm. It could have just fallen off or washed up from any old plane. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like... I. I wonder, like, how many times have people searching for, like, Amelia Earhart's wreckage found the wreckage of other lost people and just been, like, cursed their luck and toss it aside as they continue to try to find her wreckage because she's the famous one? Yeah, I mean, I really think this is, like, should be filed under, oh, like, this guy who went to the island is, like, an aviation archaeologist, which sounds like a fascinating job to Mm -hmm. me. Oh, yeah. For sure. But um, he, yeah, I mean, you could have maybe said some really interesting things about World War II had he investigated it from that angle instead of getting all, like, hot on this Amelia Earhart thing. Yeah. But that wouldn't um, have given us an excuse to trot that Amelia Earhart footage that they spent a lot of time and money filming. Absolutely not. So, moving on. Moving right along. We got the case of Steve Wilson. Uh, this is one part. Well, I guess I guess the mystery is is where he is, but uh, we get we got a background involving a murder he was in, uh, mm-hmm. involved with. Uh, and it was funny because when this this segment opened up, he was driving on this road, and I got so mm-hmm. excited because mm-hmm. I swore to myself that mm-hmm. has to be Six Mile Canyon. The road that leads from Dayton up to Virginia City. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the two roads, the sort yeah. of back way. Yeah, it's and a, it's a, it's a beautiful footage, and, and what you're talking about is a beautiful drive. It's stunning. Yes, but yeah. uh, I guess maybe it wasn't. Though Reno later plays a role in this, yeah, uh, this segment. Yeah, Steve Wilson. He was basically, you know, this dude who, uh, you know, they describe him as the sort of guy who like is well liked when he uh, 
joins a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the woman who I guess it turned out would later would end up becoming his wife. Descri- she described him as like uh, as a guy who would figure out what people would want to hear mm-hmm. and then say it in a way that would make them believe it. Yeah. Which I guess kind of, I mean, that sounds like the, the basis of any sort of confidence scheme or, mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Steve got a job working on the ranch of a guy named Bill Thur- Thornborough. Burrow? Yeah. And yeah. uh, end up marrying his daughter, Callie. Yeah. Who, I don't know, it kind of, the, the segment kind of, portrays it that basically her father was like hey you should marry this guy Mm -hmm. and she describes on their drive to reno where they got married yeah kind of they dated for a while though okay they were they were there was an eight month courtship if i recall oh yeah they did use the term courtship (laughs) yeah uh but she i guess she was uh, apparently according to her her a bit hesitant about mm-hmm. uh, getting married and apparently he was right uh, because immediately he became extremely abusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up separating mm-hmm. and then you get a situation where he's starting to show by the show up at the ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess not willing to accept that it's over. Can we um, talk about the ranch for a second? Yes. Let's talk about the ranch. The Wherever they shot this, and it may have been their ranch because it's 900,000 acres north of Death Valley, California. So why? So it's up in it's up near this like probably uh, up in the southern end of the Sierra Nevadas, I'm assuming. I I and, think so, yeah. But wherever they shot this is stunning. Like g- gorgeous ranch. Like I'm getting off on the wrong note here, but this is like paradise. I don't know what, what's going on at this ranch. Um, is is man? Is, is this a, a plausible future vacation uh, destination? Uh, I guess of the third 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 horn burrow. Third third If they let us, okay. Um, it's just it's just really like beautiful, like stereotypical Western um, landscape. Uh, it's not the point of the segment at all, but I'm just really excited about it. Also, when, uh, what's his name? Jim? The reenactor playing Jim? Uh, Is it Jim? Are you talking about the father or the abusive husband? No, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the abusive husband. Steve Wilson. Steve, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh man, when this reenactor shows up at the ranch, he is (laughs) acting with his entire body. Yeah, he, it is, it is definitely one of those, like, you're standing in the front yard and you're just mm-hmm. animating every part of your body. To yeah, dip. he's like so tensed up and shaking, and he's really whoever that reenactor was. Bravo, he really gave it gave it everything yeah. that he had in that scene. Yes, yes, he uh, and the, he goes to town on Bill Th- Th- Thorn Burr's Bur- Bur- uh, truck mm-hmm. uh, with a like a what was it a. Uh, crowbar crowbar and yeah. uh bill's almost ready to shoot him but his daughter stops him because you know she doesn't uh-huh. she doesn't want to see her dad go to jail 
I feel like Bill probably should have shot him in retrospect. Yeah, in retrospect, because not too long afterwards, Bill was out out of the ranch house doing some work Mm -hmm. somewhere out on the property and disappeared. Yep. I guess they what they found his his coffee just sitting in his truck. Yeah, coffee. His thermos was still hot. Yep. And it's what what was really strange to me is apparently seven months later. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, we're in nineteen seventy nine. Did we say that? I don't think we did. Okay, this is back in time. Okay, from yeah. from the segment nineteen seventy nine. Yes. Um, okay. Please continue. Yeah, like seven months later, a teenager. Uh-huh was riding his dirt bike and found some skeleton remains. Yep. And of course, being a teenager, he immediately scoops up the skull and puts it in his backpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, is that an, of course, is that a thing that you would do as a teenager? If you were like out riding your bike and found a not, skeleton? Not me personally, but that probably has more to do with the fact that I would not be out riding a bike. Oh, you wouldn't be outside. Got I it. wouldn't be outside at all. But I, I feel like any any young young man mm-hmm. driving around on a dirt bike in the mm-hmm. West, if they come across a skull, yeah, it's going to you pick gotta it, get up. it. You, you got to get it. You got you get you. Ha- there's no choice. Yeah, I think in the segment they mentioned the cop that's describing it mentions that uh, the teenager took it because he didn't think his parents would believe him if he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually some smart thinking on a kid's part because yeah, well he he helped solve a murder right, right because of yeah. because of his action, Bill actually uh, yeah actually, they picked him up in Alaska and then they extradited him back to California yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and he was uh, oh uh, not uh, not Bill Bill's dead that was Bill Skelton yes yes Steve 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 was. <laughs> Steve was was the one who went to prison. Yeah. Um, and of course, naturally, once in prison, he did his best to ingratiate himself mm-hmm. to everyone around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and got a job as like some sort of clerk who was sort of quasi allowed to wander around the prison freely. Uh, yeah, I don't know what kind of job that is, but it's sort of implied that by the footage in the reenactment that has something to do with shipping license plates. We get we get a, a portrayal of a license plate factory, and mm-hmm. then we have a depiction of a bunch of box being boxes being loaded onto a truck, mm-hmm. and then there's a collision of a fork, uh, well, a forklift or something else, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Steve uses that opportunity to slip into the truck where the remain where the other prisoners then proceed mm-hmm. to put the pa- packages mm-hmm. up against him. Mm-hmm. I get. Uh, apparently, he had recruited them uh, to do this, mm-hmm. and the guards, none the wiser, close the door to the truck. It dry, mm-hmm. dry leaves the prison, and S- Steve actually uh, cuts a hole in the roof of the truck, and mm-hmm. waits for the truck driver to stop for his coffee, and mm-hmm. then slips out. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh... Poor uh, Callie, is that the woman? Yeah. You know, we got, we got back to her and, you know, she's terrified, understandably. Right. She knows he's out of jail. She knows what he's capable of. And, he, and she thinks that she might be next. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But what happens, actually? We get an update, apparently not because of Unsolved Mysteries. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Because it's just a couple of bits of text. Um, uh 
Actually, did you do the research on how how he got captured? Because they just I, think, I did not. No, I just went with what they told us. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the segment, yeah, they, they some people they find you know they they identify him. I think he was living mm-hmm. in Florida at the time. Yeah. And law enforcement eventually uh, picks him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was reading uh, up on this case. Oh, I guess you did the R word. Yes, a read reading. Research. Research, yes. <laughs> um, this may have been one that was solved by America's Most Wanted. Oh, shit. Yeah. So. Oh, a challenger enters the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, take a seat on Solved Mysteries. Yes, I think, you know, okay. it, it's funny. I, it did feel like, because... It, all, it often seems, you know, when, when it's not solved by un- Unsolved Mysteries, they just give some text that explains what happened. But I felt like when I was watching this particular episode that that text was going by really quickly. Like, they were really mm-hmm. embarrassed and they just wanted to, like, get get it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be reading a bit into that, but that's very funny. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, as long as it's funny. Um you know, the, overall, this was an interesting segment. My only thing yeah. is, and you know, I'm not a scientist, at least mm. in the the natural physical mm-hmm. sciences. Mm-hmm. But when they portray Bill's skeleton, mm. like after, would, would it really have gotten to that point after just seven months? I mean, I guess I, I think if just left out in the desert, yeah, because you have the elements, you have scavengers. Okay, yeah, I for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it would have been picked pretty clean at that you, point. You, you know, this... and probably, and probably, I want to add um, the way that it's presented in the reenactment is still is like someone just laid a skeleton down, um, <laughs> and then it hadn't been moved. But I think probably what would have been closer to reality is that those bones and bits would have been strewn about a little bit more as animals come right. and do stuff. It yeah. probably would have been more of just a scattered pile of bones. You know. Uh, I just recently my my season with the mosquito abatement district ended. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. <laughs> you're you're welcome. Um, and yeah, it, it was actually pretty pretty harrowing there because at the beginning of September, I mm-hmm. backed my accidentally backed my truck into a post on someone's mm-hmm. property. Mm-hmm. and put a dent in it and mm-hmm. i was really really desiring not to get yelled at and by this mm-hmm. point my boss was pretty much back at work full time mm-hmm. and i was just really scared uh so you know first things first i went up to the house of the person whose uh post i backed into uh the post was fine thank goodness um to to let them know what happened but I guess no one, either no one was home. Uh, so I was like, okay. Uh, so I drove off. And this was on like one side of my truck that when parked in our parking area, faces away from where my boss's truck is and where the mm-hmm. office is. Mm-hmm. And I began to wonder, would it be plausible for me to go through the remaining like four or five weeks of the season without him noticing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like for a while, I was just sort of 
I would I would be checking the voicemail in the office for a few days to make sure the person whose post I backed into didn't mm-hmm. didn't call. No calls. So mm-hmm. knock knock there. And yeah, basically I managed to like I mean unless my boss saw it and just like cuz our both both of the trucks already have like various dents and dings in them. Maybe he like just concluded it was already there or happened earlier or something, mm-hmm. or he didn't see it, and I managed to just get away, scot free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was. Her- I really th- I really thought this was going in the direction of you murdered your boss and his skeleton is now in no somewhere in the desert. I, I I'm sorry. I I just I thought of this when I mentioned the job because this yeah. was the first summer of, of that job where I didn't run into any like cow corpses. Oh. Yeah, I should I'm sorry, I should I should have I I I should have mentioned that, but like I was like, oh, 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 uh, here's a chance for me to talk about like something uh embarrassing that happened in the workplace, which would be uh certainly to the uh, liking of Patreon rumper Jen, who always mm-hmm. enjoys a good Robbie's mishaps in the workplace <laughs> story. Yeah, I yeah I, I managed to somehow avoid my boss seeing this this dent in the truck for like five solid weeks. Partially, what I was doing was I was making sure to get to work super on time because he usually mm-hmm. kind of filters in. Uh-huh. So I'm always out of the yard by the time he arrives. Mm-hmm. And then I was sort of hanging out in the field until I was fairly confident he would be gone. I think my boss, maybe maybe he was thinking I was really, really gung-ho about getting, getting rid of those mosquitoes. Mm. Uh, and then there's like, there was like three or four occasions where I had to go, like the most heart-pounding parts were like he'd call me up and I'd have to go to his location so on the drive to each of the these three or four different spots I'm like okay how am I going to like which entrance am I going to take how am I going to arrive and where am I going to like so there's a lot of me like parking my truck up against like a bush and stuff (laughs) um yeah so what so what you're saying is you got away with it I did I totally did well, you know who didn't get away with his prison escape? Is Steve Is Steve Wilson. Wilson. That's right. He was returned back to California from England to complete his t- prison term of 25 years to life. Serves the bastard right. So next we get a... We have another lost love sort of case yeah. that involves a, a picture uh, mm-hmm. from wartime. This is really similar to one we did in uh, episode one or two back of seeing a family sees a picture in a publication that looks like their loved one who they've been told has been killed in action mm-hmm. in war. And this time it's World War II. Yeah. He, in this case, yeah, the a, a gentleman in question is was named Frank Joseph Bloomer, also known as Frankie, origi- mm-hmm. originally from Illinois. Uh, he served on the USS Rowan during Mm -hmm. world war ii uh it was a destroyer in the mediterranean sea unfortunately it was sunk by a german submarine i believe that's right and it sank in less than a minute yeah i when i was watching this i out loud said wow yeah that's not that's uh you don't have any time to get off that boat no that's it it's just in the water yeah 
Yeah, exactly. And as a result, uh, much of the crew, unfortunately, were killed. Mm -hmm. Um, Some were rescued. Mm -hmm. And this is where we we get a situation where there's a picture of some of the survivors. There's like three of them uh, seated inside whichever ship rescued them. Mm-hmm. And seeing this, Frankie's uh, family um, actually come across this picture, and they they're looking at it, and they come to the conclusion that this is Frankie in the picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, well, they don't rest there; they take it to a, a mortician. Mortician, uh, I guess, as you do. So, I guess morticians, uh, I. I, I mean, I guess it's not shocking the idea that they'd be good at recognizing faces, but it's... I, it, I guess, it's but the of, way that Unsolved Mysteries drops this, it's like a mortician who was known to be a photo expert. Right. What? <laughs> right. I guess, like, him being a mortician's kind of just incidental. They're, like, he's the person in town who, I guess, maybe yeah. is just really into photographs well here's what it occurred to me maybe it's like one of these old-timey things that that unsolved mysteries didn't feel the need to explain because people of a certain generation would have understood the connection so it would have been like in the 1800s saying um having the barber to come look at your teeth right right so maybe that's just you know it was like a barber was also a dentist until those became separate yeah separate occupations and maybe like uh mortician was also a forensics photo expert until those became separate occupations like going to a pharmacy and getting a root beer float oh exactly like that yeah 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 so if anyone's like a hundred years old and listening to this (laughs) can you please let us know if this is a thing just tweet at us thanks Yeah, there's going to be some like 92-year-old listener who's going to be yeah. like, I'm not just, 100, damn it. Yeah, they're just going to come and dunk on us <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and then we're going to get dunked on by a non-agenarian. <laughs> right. Feel really bad. Right. I should have sank you along with uh, Tojo's fleet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we get like sort of reenactments that depict Frankie's niece learning about uh, Frankie through, you know, the, the, this sort of family story gets passed along. They always have a, they always celebrate his, um, you know, like his birthday, like there's a cake wait, waiting for him, even though, yeah. Cause I mean, it, it's really interesting because. It must have been especially frustrating for this family. I mean, and at least with the family who's, you know, they thought like maybe their um, their family member was a prisoner still in Vietnam from the picture. This mm-hmm. is a picture of someone who was ostensibly rescued, mm-hmm. uh, who shouldn't be listed, who if it was him, shouldn't have been listed as killed in action and who presumably would have returned home at some point. Yeah, except he um, probably died on the boat. Right, because they, they actually, they, they, uh, they, it turns out the gravestone that was made up for Frankie was accurate because uh, we get in the, the update that mm-hmm. 
one of the, one of the sailors who was in that in the actual picture confirmed that mm-hmm. no, that's that's not Frankie. That was someone else. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the the text on the unsolved mysteries it it says you know not the answer the family was wanting to hear, but they mm-hmm. they at least have they're relieved to have some sort of resolution. Yeah, you know it seemed like one of these things in the family though because it got passed from like the mother to um, a woman who married into the family, mm-hmm. a sister-in-law, and then to her daughter. So it seemed like this sort of legend of the family that just was getting passed down that we don't really know what happened to uncle Frankie. Yeah. Um, and I can, I like, I can see that happening. I, it's like, you want to keep hope alive. You want to keep a memory alive. I think this is kind of their way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, that that that's that's definitely how it seems. Yeah, um, I don't know that there's any harm in that. Really. No, no. I mean, uh, yeah, it wasn't him though. So he he did. Yeah. Died in World War Two. So. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Frankie. So the last segment. This was a jam-packed episode, you guys. Jam. Fact um, is a missing persons, and uh, it's introduced uh, by Stack making a, a very blanket statement, uh, which is: For a young woman to be pregnant and unmarried is nearly always a disturbing and unsettling prospect. So, yeah, this is a segment about abortion, <laughs> oh. ostensibly, and. Um, so what happens in the nineteen late nineteen six? I want to say sixty five because this is pretty Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Uh, there's a. Uh, I'm, I'm going to screw up her name. I'm so sorry. Yeah, her name's Judy. Yeah. Judy and and Judy finds herself in a situation. Did I say Coral Gables? It's Coral Gables. Um, I Coral so. Gables, Florida. Uh, she is a medical technician, but um, you know at the time abortion was not uh, a legal procedure in the United States. And, um, she found herself at a, I don't know what the technical term would have been back in the day for this, but there was a Hungarian doctor who was, well, posing as a doctor, who knows what he was, (laughs) but he was posing as a doctor and he was, um, running a a legal clinic to, um, perform abortions. Mm -hmm. So, um, we get a lot of point of view from Judy's friend and uh, Marilyn Jackson. I swear they say the word abortion about 12 to 15 times in this segment, which would have been, uh, it would be extraordinary to hear that now, I think, on television. Yeah. I think it's pretty extraordinary that this didn't get censored in some way back in the <laughs> early 90s. Uh, I, I recently did a, a deep dive into like the history of abortion being at least discussed as a plot point um, in various television shows. Uh, okay. So basically, the show and I think and just to put things in context about how this is t- typically treated on television, um, to put things in context. So the show television show Maud, which I think was on in the late seventies, wow, early eighties, yeah. was the first. Um, sort of uh, mainstream television show to actually openly discuss abortion. And the context was that the character Maude, who was, was uh, 
played by B. Arthur, who was later on the Golden Girls, mm-hmm. uh, was late in life and discovered she was pregnant. And, and she was considering having an abortion because she was, you know, older. Right, and yeah, a lot not of complications any, there. Yeah, yeah. So um, apparently CBS, I think, which was the network that aired this, got so much mail and so many advertisers pulled their money that basically that was a message to any network for the next literally 20 years to not even broach this as a subject. Wow. And so it wasn't until the early 2000s that it started coming up again, um, even as a, as a consideration or as a plot point. Um, and then it's been, you know, more recently there have been things like this. So that's why I think it's just sort of uh, really interesting for Unsolved Mysteries to just lay it out the way that they did. Right, right, for sure. Um, so here's the mystery. Um, Judy has this procedure um, and then disappears. Uh, several days later, a um, rental car rented in her name is discovered parked, uh, where was it? Some miles away from Coral Gables. Mm-hmm. Even, was it even in Florida anymore? I don't remember. Oh, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, it was in Georgia, I think. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's discovered parked in a neighborhood in Georgia, and there's, like, blood all over the backseat and whatever. Um, the police get there a couple days late, so this crime scene had been contaminated, essentially. They couldn't really get any... Uh, all they knew is that this car had been rented in her name. There was some eyewitness testimony that some man had been driving the car, got out of the car, got a duffel bag out of the trunk, and then walked away. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... That's what we know from the 1960s. Fast forward to 1990. <laughs> and uh, this detective with the Coral Gables Police Department is giving a lecture to um, the police academy uh, near Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This man um, is completely unaware of what is now a cold case having to do with Judy being missing. Uh, his... Uh, was it somebody, is this another one where someone calls a radio station again? Or is that later in the story? Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure where that happens. Okay, I think actually they call the Coral Gables Police Department. Okay, yeah, yeah, it might so be a This direct... mystery, yeah, this mystery caller says, um, I have some information about Judy, who, you know, went missing in such and such year. Um, the detective, um, I think, calls the number back, and it's a man who has no idea what he's talking about. They interview the man whose number he called. Um, do- doesn't has never <laughs> doesn't know anything about Judy. Has no idea why someone would leave his number and name with the Coral Gables Police Department. They live in Omaha. It's totally mysterious. Okay, a couple of weeks after that, I think it's a radio station that gets a call from a woman that says uh, Judy's, uh, whatever her name is, is alive in Omaha. So this is the real mystery is this detective from Coral Gables that knows nothing about the case is suddenly contacted about a cold case from 27 years ago. And then there's a series of mystery callers saying that Judy is living in Omaha. Actually, all these calls are going in to the Coral Gables police captain, uh, Shearer. Uh-huh. 
Um, the first call he gets is allegedly from a guy named uh, Steve Brown, who is a radio host in out of Omaha. Uh, KKAR, I'm sure. Shout out. Listens to, listens to it every day. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, with like bits and pieces of like, Oh, you know, uh, she's, uh, this, that, and the other happened. And so the captain's like, Oh, I'll check in on that. And then he calls back Steve Brown, um, uh, to say, to talk about what he's, he's, uh, found following up on this. And Steve Brown is confused. And you have an interview with Steve Brown, who very much sounds like a radio talk show DJ, uh, and he's relating how he was like, I, I didn't understand because I had never made any such call. Somebody had made a call to the police captain claiming to be Steve Brown. Um, then the police captain receives a call from an anonymous woman who says that Judy is alive and she lives in Omaha and apparently only responded to anything he said by repeating that. And then... Uh, there's a call from someone who's claiming to be an FBI informant mm. uh, who had spent allegedly spent several weeks with uh, uh, the uh, George had had you the, uh, uh, the baby uh, killer. I mean, uh, abortion clinic operator. Abortion, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, alleged. Uh, and he, um, he gave some, he gave like sheer, the phone number for Mr. Hadju and through them contacted Interpol, uh, Hungarian police got involved. Uh, and this was another shrug of the shoulders as to what happened. Uh, well, they got a, yeah, they got a letter that they said was, uh, it was unsigned. So I don't know how they validated this, but they got a letter that Judy's body, um, she had died of complications from, uh, from the procedure and, um, Mm -hmm. her body was dumped in Biscayne Bay by Miami. Yeah. That's the update that we get, but they, I don't know how police decided this was credible because the letter wasn't signed. Right. So either it's an authentic anonymous letter. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. I don't, I don't know. I feel like probably the police had enough information to make that determination, but it just didn't make it into the segment. Yeah. So, um, Robbie, uh, listen, if people want to get in touch, how are they going to do that? Well, we can be found on Twitter at Reenacted Pod. Uh, we have a Facebook page and we have a uh, Reenacted Fans page, which is a lot more interesting. Uh, our email is reenactedpod at gmail.com. And please go to iTunes and give us uh, mm-hmm. five stars and a little write up about why you like the program. I saw recently. Mm-hmm. Someone apparently took our fuck Farina uh, a mission statement to heart and wrote a, a did the write up entirely based off uh, uh, Dennis Farina's failings uh, or shortcomings rather as, wow. as a host. I... Though 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 like like we always do was quick to point out they don't actually have anything against Mister the late Mister Farina. That feels very on brand. 
for our podcast. <laughs> so thank you to whoever did that. Um, I yes. also want to add, if you are interested in getting our Rumpers Only Patreon episodes, which we mentioned at the top of this episode, you can go to patreon.com slash reenactedpod. Um, we, we let you have it at $5 a month which is uh, it's a cup of coffee out there. And if um, I understand money be tight these days, just uh, we love it word of mouth too, if you can recommend us to your friends. I guess we're a true crime podcast. That's what I keep hearing from people. So if you that, have some friends they... that are into that shit, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what we are. Sure. Um it's, I, it's what the algorithms seem to shoot mm, back when yeah. I uh, l- look us up on iTunes. That's really so. all we are. We're just pieces in an algorithm, man. Uh, do you want to do, do the thing? Uh, for every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you.